Welcome back to yet another episode of the Court in the Field podcast. I'm joined here today with my co-host, Sean Flannery. What's good, Sean? What's up, CJ? How you doing? Same old, same old. Good to go home tomorrow for Thanksgiving. Finally kick it with the fam. That's going to be fun. we got a unique, unique episode for you guys. Uh, joining here with Nick Kenzel, uh, Director of Ops at Can't Stop Training. He went to high school with us. Uh, he graduated from the College of Charleston and is currently getting his MBA there. What's good, Nick? What's going on, CJ? Excited to be here. Hey, what about me? I, I, just, I know what I said. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to see you too, Nick. <laughs> Talk to us about uh, what you're doing now, man. Yeah, so you kind of touched on a little bit. Uh, right now I'm getting my MBA to focus in marketing. Uh, it's just a one-year program, uh, still at the College of Charleston. Um, basically like a fifth year. Uh, and then for business, uh, I'm working as the director of operations for a fitness and training company down there. Um, so as you guys know, I kind of have my own training company uh, here in Sandusky, where I'm from, Kinsel Basketball Academy. Um, so actually, I got, I got a little story about how I got started down in Charleston, I think it'd be uh, interesting to talk about. Um, so essentially, you know, in the basketball training world, it's not like formal internships, really. So going into my winter break of my senior year, um, I basically slid in the DMs of every basketball trainer in Charleston. Um, and I just said, like, hey, I want to learn from you guys. Uh, can I come rebound or do business stuff, like anything, just to kind of be around your program, see what you're doing? Um, and uh, Dave on the owner of Can't Stop Training, got back to me first, said, yeah, come on down for some training. Um, and his business was blowing up. And so instead of the internship, he was like, man, forget that. Like, let's partner up and do this thing. So it's been growing like crazy ever since. That's, that's good, because I know you've been pretty busy in the summers, especially here up in Sandusky. I think you started your own like, summer league this past summer, I believe. Um, so you had some good things going up there. But so, like, what's, what is, like, the uh, maybe the next step for you, or what is, like, the ultimate goal for you within training? Yeah, so and I guess on a personal level, uh, I'm, I enjoy training, but I guess I'm more passionate about coaching. So I can definitely see myself in the future kind of taking, you know, getting a little bit more hands off on the training side, just going the business side of uh, the company while also coaching a high school team or something. Um, but yeah, you mentioned that that summer league uh, that actually paid off big uh, this fall. So I had a little bit of experience running a, uh, that league and it was about mid September. And all of a sudden the owner, Devon, uh, calls me he's like, Hey, like, let's do this. Let's do a fall league for high schoolers. Um, and basically put together a fall league for 70 plus kids in less than two weeks. It was one of those, like with COVID and everything, it took forever to lock down gym time. And, you know, we picked up the t-shirts like an hour before the game started. We picked up like 85 jerseys right before it tip off and showed up and it was kind of chaos, but it ended up being like real good. We had some college coaches drop in like week two and, um, so it was, that was really cool. Hey, by the way, Nick, shout out to your pops for uh, a couple years ago, inviting me on my first and uh, ever boat ride. I didn't, <laughs> hey man, you know, I can't swim. So that, that was a, a hell of an experience for me, man. I love that. <laughs> but uh, I think it would be a, a unique episode for you guys. Um, 
uh, Nick and, I, and Flan and I go way back to high school. We used to just talk sports all day, just just chopping it up, and specifically basketball because that's the sport that we all play together. And we used to get arguing hours on end just about who's our favorite players, what's our thoughts, and so forth and whatnot. So I think that it would be we it would be remiss if we didn't do that on this pod. So Flan, you can take it away. Yeah, so I think we're starting off with, you know, who is the player that we want to start our franchise with if we're starting today. But I think we have, what, five years? Five-year deal as a Five-year max deal. Five-year max deal, yep. So if I'm the general manager of the Cavs, I have a five-year deal with me right now. Um, I think it's an obvious choice. I think I'm taking LeBron James. And a quick reasoning behind that is because the man just produces. He's going to the finals at least – at least for two years. I mean, he's 35. I get that you can say he's old, but people have been saying that for the past five years, four years, whatever it's been. And the man is, I mean, he had a hamstring injury in his first year with the Lakers, but, you know, I personally think that was just because they weren't going to be that great anyway. You know, LeBron just kind of, if you're not a hundred percent, then you're 80, kind of get back to a hundred percent. We'll have you next year. We'll win the finals like they did this past year. So I'm taking LeBron just because, you're going to the NBA Finals. You might not win it, but, you know, you're, you're going to get there. You're going to have a team um, that'll be fun to watch. And, you know, I think he's an obvious choice. Uh, so I think that LeBron uh, is a good choice, but I don't know, like the last three years of that deal, I'm, I'm trying to get the max effort out of my deal. So if I'm going to get the full juice out of them five years, I got to go with the Slovenian guy. I got to go with Luca, man. Uh, I mean, what he did this year at the age of 21 was remarkable. And based off what the Clippers did the next round, who knows what he would have did, what he would have done if uh, Porzingis was healthy the rest of that series. I mean, that dude showed some big balls and cojones for what he did. Um, he didn't step down from no challenge, especially going against uh, uh, when Morris did all the cheap stuff against him. He ain't back down on none of that. So I think that I got to go with bro, especially considering that um, – Regular season and playoff basketball are two different things. And I think that's why another guy who is amazing in the regular season, who I kind of – I won't take him because his postseason accolades and performance is lacking. I've seen Luka, even though it was five or six games, I've seen enough to know that he's not going to shy away from that moment. Kenzo, what you got? Yeah, and I'll say before I even give my answer, um, you, were, you guys were talking about how we used to – uh, chop it up and lunch and whatnot down the cafeteria. And I vividly remember talking about how one day, you know, we should make a podcast about all this. <laughs> I guess I'm wondering where, where my invite went. Did I get lost in the mail or something? Or <laughs> well, you thought that you were busy with the training, bro. We didn't want to bother you. <laughs> yeah. This is all our right. first episode. What's up? Like you're, you're, you're here. <laughs> um, no. So uh, I got to I got to side with CJ here. Um, I got to go Luca, um, especially like if the situation is I'm the GM, you know, when that contract wants to get re-signed after that five years, you know, I don't want to have a 40, what, 42 year old guy as my star. Um, I want a guy going into his prime um, and then particularly to how he is right now, you know, he's 21, you know, think about how young that is, you know, he's got, is he even going to be in my like in his prime by the time like during this five-year contract um and i think the other thing that's really enticing is you know he's been a he's not just a, like some guy right out of college he's been playing pro ball for years um so i think that and that shows in his maturity on the court um 
you know, he just sees the game and can, he's just crazy. As a playmaker, a scorer, um, I'm, I'm interested to see if, how he develops to be a better player. Cause I'm yeah. so impressed by where he's at already. No, Luca, Luca is definitely, I want to say definitely, but he's, he's probably my second choice, but just kind of like, counter it like I think so why I think LeBron is that when you take LeBron on a franchise you're not taking him and then just a bunch of scrubs like you're gonna make you're gonna do whatever you can to get a a second star and hopefully maybe a third piece maybe not superstar but another star-ish type player so you're not only banking on LeBron an older LeBron I'll give you that but you're trying to get a guy like Kyrie Anthony Davis Dwayne Wade Chris Bosch to kind of to help out LeBron so I think you kind of go all in and it gives you as a general manager you know you kind of get that leverage to the owner to say hey like we have the best player in the NBA maybe the best player of all time like we this is our time to kind of go at it and I mean I guess you could say like well look at the Cavs right now they're kind of in one of the worst positions in the NBA as a franchise but then again I think a lot of us you know as Cleveland people would say like well shit like I'd rather be in this position with a championship four years ago than not have LeBron at all and you know kind of be like an eight or nine seed for the next 30 years whatever the hell it will be but you know I think it kind of gives you trade-offs where you kind of compete for a few years maybe it's two or three maybe it's one I mean whatever whatever it may be with LeBron still but you know you're kind of left with that um you know, you, maybe a dis, disarray of a roster after the fact. But I think it's worth it when you kind of get them for a few years and hopefully make a finals run. I would take those Cavaliers years that we had from 15 to 18. I would take those 10 times out of 10. Like, even though we only won it once, we got there every single damn year. Thanks, yeah. I just don't <laughs> think. But I will say this, though. We've never seen a 21-year outside of LeBron in 06 or 07, whenever he was 21. We've never seen a 21-year-old command the NBA the way that Luka did this past year, and how he like literally they had the best offense in the NBA this year and one of the best of all time. If you want to look at those dem- the metrics or whatever, I'm really interested to see how he's going to be. Like Kenzel said, at, at age 25, 26, like this dude's only getting better. It's not like he's going to get worse at this point. Obviously, you're dealing with LeBron in that regard. He's a relatively healthy guy outside of the I think, ankle injury he had like this past January and so forth and whatnot. So I'm going to bank on the fact that this dude who's already unreal talent, that he's going to get even better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I say one other thing that is concerning about LeBron, and I'm, I've been very much against the argument that I'm about to use for the longest time, but it's starting to seem more real now. I think – I think you've seen LeBron's been one of the more vocal about, you know, he, he's kind of want that the season to start a little later because uh, of the COVID, the bubble, everything. The season went crazy late. I'm in- interested to see how he adapts his, you know, how he's taking care of his body and everything. And if, you know, how old was LeBron? Was he 30? 30 35. 36. Maybe 36, yeah, this year. Um, you know, how the short turnaround – um, you know, after a weird season affects a 36-year-old guy who's performing at such a high level. Um, it's like there is, as much as I'm, like it's, he's been, you know, injury-free and everything for the most part, um, I think it is a real concern, especially in a five-year deal when he's going in, getting closer to 40. So yeah. I'm interested to see how he handles that this next year and if he can remain healthy. And No, I think, I think that's a great point. 
but I feel like we've been like from my perspective I think we've been saying that for three years it's like all right LeBron okay he's 32 he's coming off playing 97 games maybe 100 games whatever it is to the finals seven years in a row this man has to be slowing down and and it, it he's not and I think from my perspective in Cleveland his second time around he was playing his best basketball you know it's kind of hard to judge you know what he's been doing in LA just because of you know he played that half a season his first year the second year he played a half a season and then he had the the long layoff and then he played in a bubble and they won it. But then again, like you can make an argument that Anthony Davis was the most important player on that team. But then from my perspective as a general manager, whoever Anthony Davis, Contavious Caldwell, they could all be the best player on the team as long as I get a championship with LeBron. Like that's by me. And then another perspective, like if I'm the general manager and I'm thinking like, I want to retain my job or I want to have a job in the NBA. I think if you win a championship or get to a championship for two years, you know, in my first year or second year with LeBron, then regardless after that fifth year, if I am not doing great or I'm still in the playoffs, get knocked off in the first or second round, I think I'm going to have a job waiting for me on the other side, just because, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a general manager with NBA finals experience, a team, a person that knows how to build a roster around superstars. For sure. Sure. If you're looking at just question for you, Flint, if you're looking at just individual performance, not the ability to recruit other players, is your answer still Brown? Individual, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think so because I think at the end of the day, like the result is still the most, the ultimate like deal breaker. Like if you if you could say the Warriors had the best, the seventy three and nine Warriors had the best team of all time yet they didn't win the championship, you know, what does that mean about their regular season? Like they, they had great individual, you know, superstars or athletes or basketball players, but at the end of the day, they didn't get the ultimate goal. They reached the ultimate goal. You know, if, if LeBron's playing 60 games in the regular season, we're the three seed, but at the same time, we're making it to the finals and winning or losing at that point, does it matter as a general manager? I mean, maybe a little bit, but, you know, if, if he's taking me all the way there and, you know, he's able to do it for two, three, hopefully four years from my perspective, then I think that's a success. And then also, like, is, is Luca able in the five years that you have is are you are you like expecting him to make it to the finals and win one in these five years? You know, I think that kind of you have to put in perspective LeBron, Giannis, you know, Kawhi, KD, you know, all these guys are still in the league and people will argue that, you know, they might be better. Than, than Luca at this point. They might, be hey, better I, today. they might be better today. I'm just thinking, you know, I'm a GM. So, you know, I, I'm doing what the players don't want to do. I'm looking into the future, right? So I'm, hey, just, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to argue. I'm trying to go back at you guys. So <laughs> <Yeah>. I, <laughs> but talking about that Laker team, I think that we got to address the free eight, the off season in general, even though it's only been a, a three week off season, considering that they just played a championship. Talk about some of the biggest winners and losers and uh, sleepers. Uh, I'm going to go first on this one, uh, and I'm sure you guys will all in agreement with this one. And who doesn't agree to probably skip Baylor's his best friend. But the Lakers, I, I, it's very rare that a, a champion not just upgrades but gets significantly better. I mean, I'm taking Schroeder over Rondo. I'm taking, I'm taking, depending on the context of the situation, I probably would take Harrell over uh, JaVale or Dwight or JaVale, I guess. And then depending on the context, Gasol over uh, um, Howard or Dwight, however you want to call it. 
Wesley Matthews is anything is better than Danny Green at this point because I don't know what I saw out there in the uh, in the bubble. So I like just seeing how that team who damn near coasted through the bubble and then they get better at all those spots. I mean, I don't want to say it's a lock like the 17 Warriors were, but I mean, what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) No, I agree. I I mean, the Lakers probably upgraded, but how much help does LeBron need? No, I'm messing with you guys. I just, I just, hey, man, that's, I'm gonna hear that one. (laughs) Hey, Pops, if you're hearing this one, don't talk about the Jordan LeBron debate about help. I get it. I understand. Continue. No, no, I I completely agree. I think they upgraded completely. Um, a few other teams, Atlanta, Portland. I think Philly. We kind of dogged on Philly in this in this podcast for having so many bigs, no shooters. Daryl Morey comes in and kind of throws out Horford, brings in you know some shooters, some guys that can kind of stretch the floor and maybe somewhat kind of seem like possibly the Embiid and Simmons experiment will work at this point. You know, who knows? I guess we'll kind of figure that out as we go. But I think Philly, Atlanta, Portland, kind of winners. Phoenix also, you know, they kind of seem like they're kind of starting to go in the all-in direction. And, you know, they have a young core, but, you know, adding a veteran point guard is, is obviously good. But, you know, that, that West Western Conference is still going through L.A. and it's not the Clippers. Kinzel, what, you, what do you think? Yeah, so, I mean, touch base on the Lakers. I mean, I think that. I, I can't believe how much they improved. I mean, not only did they pick up good pieces, but the pieces seemed to fit so well with what they needed. Um, you know, you got Marcus always defensive-minded. He's big, who can pass, who can shoot. You know, he's got um, – you know, just kind of checks all those boxes. Uh, and then they pick up the top two candidates from last year's six-man race. So it's like <laughs> – they're, they're guys comfortable having specific roles on teams and coming off the bench, um, being surrounded by talent. So just it's also crazy. One other thing I want to bring up, the Morris twins in L.A. Did you guys see those contracts? Yeah, one twin got uh, 18 per and one got the minimum. Yeah, Marcus gets 64 for 64 million over four years. <laughs> and, the twin, and his twin brother gets a minimum deal. What's crazy to me is, so obviously, like, the, the distinction between two contracts, but I saw on Twitter, I don't know how true this is. I mean, you, I believe anything I see on social media these days. But, of course, of course. Uh, the, the, both those twins, they have a joint bank account. So regardless of what they're making, like I, the, one, the one happy <laughs> that the other one's making this much more than him, that at, the same, at the same point, like, we're all making a couple hundred million, or making almost a hundred million dollars over the next couple of years. Like, I think they're right. If that's true, I thought Marcus was the alpha brother, but now I'm thinking Marquis. <laughs> he's getting the bigger paycheck, and he's on the he's on the reigning champions. <laughs> no, I, it's crazy. I think I, we talk about losers of of the off season. I think you obviously have to start with the Rockets, just because of you know, what's been going on, all the dysfunction within that organization. Obviously, you lose your head coach, your general manager. Harden and Westbrook apparently asking for trades, trying to get out. And I mean, at this point, does anyone really know what they want and what's going on? But, you know, so many bad things, I would say, are happening there. But at the same time, they go out and sign Christian Wood, who was probably one of the more sought-after free agents this whole offseason. And he kind of seems like a good fit 
with with those two. You know, a, a four man that can kind of stretch the floor a little bit, but you know, he's very versatile offensively and defensively. And you know, get Demarcus Cousins. You might get a little bit deeper on the bench with Trevor Ariza, but you know, it'll be interesting to see. Like, can they actually buy back in after what they've all said this off season and you know, play with this team that you know maybe they did improve adding another Christian Wood who was uh, you know kind of started to blossom at the end of last season. I think his last game in Detroit was like his career high, like 41 or something. So who knows what will happen there. But I think them and Charlotte signing Gordon Hayward to that, <laughs> that huge deal is just kind of one of those things where you look and look at Michael Jordan and say like, okay, LeBron's the GOAT. So. <laughs> Boy, don't get me started on MJ. I don't know what he's working down there. I know, I know he's a big uh, Scotch or whiskey guy, but he needs to get off of whatever he's on because he's tripping down there in Charlotte. Uh, but for me, the two biggest losers are the Bucks, and it's just unfortunate what happened with the Bogdan situation. Uh, the Kings just thought that they could trade uh, anyone without telling them where they're going with the sign and trade. So that was hilarious. You know, the Kings is always ruining something. And then I, I still think the Clippers, even though I like the Ibaka signing, I thought it was obvious in the bubble that they needed a point guard and they needed somebody who can distribute the ball and be a leader. And they still don't have that guy. I mean, I look at Pat Bev. Um, he, he's great at his role, but he's not a guy who's going to distribute and set guys up. Kawhi is not the vocal guy. I mean, I, I like the hire of Ty Lue, but is he really the guy who's going to be able to take them over the hump when it comes into that leadership aspect? Because the last three games of that Nugget series – they all look like deer in the headlights. And then especially game seven in that second half when they needed someone to put their foot down and say enough was enough, no one stepped up. I mean, I don't think they're banking on a Baca to be that guy to put his damn foot down. So while the Lakers got much better, I don't think the Clippers got worse, but they didn't close the gap by any means necessary, especially not addressing that lack of point guard situation. So I think they're probably the biggest losers because they're talking about uh, they want to win chips and all that. Well, I don't see the avenue for it right now. All right, CJ, I got a question one of yours. you got to explain the Bucks. How are they the biggest loser? I think that, for one, I don't think they addressed their problems that they had in the playoffs last year. And I think that they needed someone to help out uh, Giannis when it comes to helping him move off the ball. First of all, I think Coach Bud is the, the biggest issue there. He needs to change his damn style. That, uh, that, that All that going under pick and roll stuff doesn't work in the postseason when everyone can shoot the damn lights out. So he needs to change that. Secondly, he refused to play his star players any more than like 34 minutes in the playoffs when it's like, bro, like Jimmy Butler's out there playing like 44, 45 minutes. Yeah, you got Chris Middleton and Giannis playing 32, but that's neither here nor there. But I like the uh, like getting Drew Holiday. I still don't know if they have enough when it comes to because I'm not really a big Giannis guy. Like I, I think he needs to be more of a, a big, and they got him out there on the wing, and I don't think that's suitable for him in the playoffs. So. Unless Drew Holiday takes some jump that I hadn't seen in New Orleans because I followed them a lot because I was a big Brandon Ingram guy, I just don't see how they're much better than what they were last year. So do you think do you think this has any indication? Because, like, Bam Adebayo just signed a huge max with the Heat, and from what I'm seeing is that means the Heat's completely out of contention for Giannis for, for next summer. So does that have any any indication, you know, the, the Bucks signing or trading – for Holiday, the, the Heat signing, um, Adebayo to an extension. Does that have any, any indication of Giannis, you know, staying for the foreseeable future? I think Giannis built different, so I think he's going to stay. Like, I, I don't think he – like, I think him growing up overseas, I think he doesn't really have that same AAU culture and mindset that, like, all the American guys have. But I think he's built different. I think he wants to be homegrown and stay and take the KG route and stay in Milwaukee until he's 30. 
But until he either improves his ball handling or gets a midi or some in-between game, he needs that guy, like we said, like a Chris Paul or somebody like that who can alleviate some of that pressure off of him. I hope Drew Holiday's that guy. I hope. I just didn't see Drew Holiday do that in New Orleans. But he could – I don't know. God He's a 27 guy. I mean, I think – I think Drew Holiday's good. I think he's good as hell. I, I think he's really good. I, I, I don't want to diminish Drew Holiday. I, I would take him on my Warriors in a heartbeat. And I think the Bucks are getting – I think they are definitely a better team this year. I still think DiVincenzo is going to have a chance to blossom a little bit more this year without – so I think he's going to be a big X factor this year. But I think overall Bucks are getting more heat than they should just because of how the Bogdanovich situation went down. It's not their fault, though. That was the Kings who fumbled. Right, right. But it just, it just, you know, it just doesn't look good that, like, you know, when I, like, according to Twitter, Bogdanovich was a buck, right? So, you know, it just, so everyone had to, I don't, I don't think people looked into the details about how all that stuff went down. And so I think the Bucks are just kind of getting some heat because everyone's expectations got went so high. Yeah. And I uh, wouldn't be surprised, sorry to interrupt, but I wouldn't be surprised just kind of seeing the, you know, it seems like the Bucks are trying to make moves to help Giannis and to kind of make it seem like they are you know, all in on him, which obviously they have to be. So I wouldn't be surprised if in the next, at least before trade the trade deadline, they start to, you know, move their roster around a little bit more, even more than they have already. But, you know, it's interesting to see with the Bogdanovich thing and, you know, maybe something more will come up of it. You know, like the tampering stuff, you maybe some teams lose a pick here and there, but it was just a weird scenario weird weird situation the nba can't pick and choose when they want to talk about the tampering stuff stuff though because i mean we're all lebron guys here but we know damn well lebron and ad that thing was in the works before lebron even went to la yet the bogdan thing was in the works for i don't know a week or so and then the nba wants to hammer down on that like i don't like the optics of that situation but then again the kings that i mean you want to talk about bad run organizations that's the same team who didn't want luca so uh that's their problem they got their own <laughs> <laughs> right, one last one last team I want to bring up. Celtics. So they pick up what Jeff Teague and Tristan. Mm-hmm. Are they better this year or worse? They lose Gordon Hayward. It's a great question. I I, I think they're better just because you get a year more of a year older more you're more experienced out of uh, Jason Tatum and JB. I mean, Marcus Smart too, hell, he's young too. So I think those three guys, as long as they're getting older, I think they're always going to get better. And I would say I think they are a little bit better. I don't think they, you know, drastically improved where we could call them a title contender at this point. But I also would say that, you know, the East is better. So I, I think, you know, where they went to last year, the Eastern Conference Finals, is kind of their, you know, their their ceiling for this upcoming year. You know, the Nets get better. Hawks get better, um, Bucks, Miami, they, you know, they're all back. You know, some people will say Washington will be better with, you know, Wall coming back and who knows what will happen there, I guess. But point guards to be able to shoot with Washington. triple-double machine right there, just like Russ, I guess. But, you know, I, I just, you know, I just think that, you know, they adding TT and Teague are not kind of, you know – pieces that are you know kind of helping them make win its title at this point you know I, I think losing Hayward doesn't really mean much because they're so um deep on the wing position but you know I don't think they really helped out their cause for a final contention I would disagree I think I think Hayward's 
I think that was a big loss to be honest, especially because I mean they correct me if I'm wrong, but they didn't get anything for him, right? That was just a You're right. You know what I mean? So they lost a former all star. I mean, granted he's had all the injuries, he's not that same player that he was. Um, but I think you were starting to get glimpses of it towards the end of the season. Uh, to lose Hayward for nothing, I think that makes them worse. I don't. I mean, I'm not going to say that they're like substantially worse, but I think um, that they're not as talented as they were last year. Talk um, about fumbling the bag. Didn't Danny Ainge also fumble that sign and trade with the Pacers, where they were going to trade Hayward to Indiana? For Miles Turner and I think TJ Warren, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, Danny Ainge wanted Danny Ainge was like, no, 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 I want all the depot instead. So then the Pacers were like, no, like forget that. So then that's how Hayward ends up in Charlotte. So I'm thinking, at least if you get rid of Hayward, get something in return. And it was obvious in the bubble they were little as hell. And getting Miles Turner back, that would have been huge for them. So I mean, I'm not really a Celtics guy as it is. So I mean, I'm not really too mad that they fumbled that. I agree, and I would think like. In the past three, four-ish years, you know, we've kind of said the Celtics are the team that everyone wants to be because they have so many picks and they have, you know, some good young stars with cap space. They had Kyrie, now Kemba, IT a few years ago. But, you know, they were the team that everyone kind of wanted to be because of, you know, what the moves Danny Ainge made. But at this point, it seems like they're kind of running out of those picks. They're kind of – it seems like Danny Ainge is being a little too, you know, he's probably overvaluing his, his pieces in, in, in the trade in the trade market. But, you know, it seems like the Thunder are kind of taking over that, that aspect of, you know, adding so many picks and having the future that everybody wants. With Miles Turner, if you're the Celtics, would you rather have Miles Turner or Tristan Thompson? Turner. I need to space the floor as much as possible. Miles Turner, for sure. Who do the Celtics need to beat out of the East? Who is their rival? I got to take down the Heat. I got to take – you also got – before the Heat, who you got to take down? The Bucks, Raptors. Raptors. Sixers, Embiid. Miles Turner can't guard Embiid. No, nah, he can't. He's too little, so that's why you pick up Tristan because you – Daniel Tice, man. Daniel Tice is all right. Yeah, Tice – Bam made that boy Tice his nephew. <laughs> I think I'm still taking Tristan defensively. You know, if you're, if you're trusting in those young guys – uh, to be those offensive playmakers, I think you can live without the spacing big. I think, I think, I think that's what the value. I don't think the Celtics wanted Miles Turner, and that's what I've heard from some different reports and stuff. I think that, you know, if they weren't going to get another piece from the Pacers that they wanted, that they were just gonna, they'd rather go to the Tristan Thompson route, where they they know that they can put him on and be the bang for. Thirty-five minutes a game, or whatever. If they get the TT from twenty sixteen, then by all means, that's a home run. I just don't. He also hasn't been an engaged, hasn't been as engaged because the Cavs have been terrible. So I mean, that's also another reason why he hasn't looked as good. But if they get that 2016-17 Tristan, then that's a, I think it's a great pickup for them because they sorely lacked any interior presence last year. Because Tice tried his best, but I mean, Rose was just a little. He was too little. He was too little. I, and I think it's a great point how you you kind of ask like who the Celtics have to go through in the East because it's almost like you build your team nowadays, not only to like fit your team and fit your mold of what you want. But because I'm, I'm going to build my team because the, you know, the Sixers are like this, the Heat are like this, you know, it kind of gives throws you back to, you know, when LeBron was here and, you know, he wanted all the shooters or when, 
you know, Houston dumped Clint Capella for what seemed like nothing at the time. And, you know, they did it because they wanted to go small, which ended up really not working. But, you know, it's almost like you trade your team or you mix up your team just because of what other teams are doing. And I think it's a good question to ask because, you know, I I don't know. At that point, like, do you take Tristan to, to play defense on a beat or do you take Miles Turner to stretch the floor against, you know, the Nets and KD? I don't, I don't know. They traded Capella because Russ can't shoot. But uh, <laughs> I think a team, we're, we've been talking about a lot of teams from the East, but we haven't brought up the Nets. What are y'all thoughts on them? Kenzel, let me hear what you got first. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're going to win a bunch of games. As long as Kyrie and Katie are healthy, they're going to win a bunch of games. Um, I'm interested to see – now, I think the big question mark everyone sees is, like, the chemistry thing. I th- I think they'll work through it. You know, and Kyrie's played alongside LeBron. Um, so, kind of used to playing along superstars. Um, I don't – I see them as, like, a low – kind of on the bottom of, like, that top tier for title contenders. Um, I wouldn't consider them a favorite by any means. But, I mean, I think if, you know, they got the guys that if they get hot at the right time, they can compete with anyone. Um but I don't know. I, I want to. See, I, I don't know. I, I think the jury's still. Like, I just want to see them play first. I, there's too many question marks right now. I think. I, I think Nick brings up a great point. I actually have them though, as my team coming out of the East as of right now, just solely on the fact that they have so much talent. It's just. It's almost like you fall in love with them before they actually play a game, and then you see them on the floor in the first 15 games of the year. They're you know, seven and eight, and you kind of just regret it. But, you know, they like Nick said, like you just kind of wait on their injuries. Uh, you know, KD coming off an Achilles injury, you know, you never know what will happen. Kyrie kind of hit or miss with his injuries. Um, but they just have so much talent. You know, Karis LeVert, Joe Harris kind of stretching the floor, Dinwiddie. Um, but I think kind of like CJ and I have said, CJ and I have said before in previous podcasts is it's probably not the team that you'll see come, you know, April or after the trade deadline. Um, you know, I think they're going to make some deals, package some people for another third piece. Um, so I, I, right now I would say they're coming out of the East just solely on talent and they can kind of stretch the floor as much as anybody, but they also have Jared Allen and Deandre Jordan that could go and they can go big whenever they want. So they're just a tough matchup for any team. Yeah. I think with those two guys in particular, you got two star players like that, uh, all time talents. They're always going to have a, a high floor just because of they're going to out-talent most teams most nights. Like you just said, that roster that we have today will not be the roster that's going to come April. I mean, they're kind of redundant with Dinwiddie. Uh, I don't really need his role. Uh, and uh, I think we can – although I like Lavert a lot, and uh, he, pro- he may eventually be that third guy. I just don't know if Katie and Kyrie have that patience to wait on them, wait on him in particular. I like the Joe Harris signing. But I will say this, though, and I, and I think this is going to cause some controversy. I think we need to pump the brakes on this uh, KD um, in the same tier as, like, some of these other guys uh, type of thing. Because although I think KD is unreal, one of the best players of all time, uh, unreal talent, I just don't want people to forget what KD was like before he joined up with my boy Steph, all right? My boy Steph took him down, like, head up. Like, it, 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 was, it was embarrassing. 3-1 lead, that's, that's messed up. And I, one of KD's biggest issues in the playoffs was his efficiency just dropped like crazy, like, in the playoffs every single year. Now, it could be because of Russ. And, you know, I, I'm be the first. About to say, who is he playing with? <laughs> I'll be the first to blame something on Russ, goddammit, so he can get some of that. But I also do think, though, that 
the Warriors KD will not be the KD that we see next year. Obviously, the injury may have something to do with that, but the Warriors offense literally was catered to just letting KD rock. Like, everyone else run around, cause confusion, but KD, go ahead at the end of the day, you ISO and just and, and make things easy. Because I'll never forget when Ty Lue said in the 17 finals, KD may be the best player, but Steph makes that whole team go, and we have to stop Steph first. So I think about that, like, next season in the East. KD, you're back to being the number one guy with all the spotlight again. I think you're an all-time talent. I think you're really good. But only dude I've ever seen, no matter what matchup you throw at them, they don't fold, and that's LeBron James. And I'm sorry to break it to you, KD, but you're not him. So I think we need to pump the brakes a little bit on just, like, guarantees of, oh, Brooklyn's this, Brooklyn's that. Because I remember KD before 16, and he folded. John, before you give a counter, your counter-argument, I can see you making faces. You got something coming. I also said, who was – who is Kevin Durant's worst counterpart? Like, who is the worst person he's played with as a second teammate? He's always had, like, a, like someone right there with him. Russ. I mean, I, I, although I do think Russ is, like, we talking about, like, second-tier guys. Russ might be, like, the lowest of the lowest when it comes to second-tier guys. But I agree with you wholeheartedly with that. Like, I agree. Yes, his worst, his worst second – like, his worst – you know, Robin is a dude who averaged a triple double in a season. So that's what that's what drives me crazy when we start comparing him to LeBron. Like LeBron carried an NBA a team to the NBA Finals with Matthew Delvadova as the second leading scorer. So like, go ahead, Sean. What you got? <laughs> hey, I, I think that's fair. I will never compare him. Well, I, never is a stretch, but I will not compare him to LeBron at this moment. Solely for the fact LeBron is just so consistent and gets to the finals, and you know his record speaks for itself. But KD is not overrated, Carl CJ. Um, you know, I I think I think what he's done with the Warriors maybe is looked at as, as a soft move, but you know he was not going to win in OKC. You know the. You look at the Rockets right now, and they have James Harden, who's arguably oh. <laughs> How do you say he, they're not going to win? They're up three-one. Okay, well, yeah, because of KD, because KD's so good. But also, oh my look at the, you look at the Rockets right now, and you say they have Harden, probably the best one-on-one scorer in the NBA, maybe of all time, and Russ, your triple-double guy that puts up all these crazy numbers, but sucks offensively. <laughs> And he defensively is not even that great. So he's a he's a stat stuffer, but he doesn't win games. He goes to to Golden State, and you know they're one of the greatest teams of all time. I I just think it's hard to argue and kind of see and put into his body of work and his overall you know career so far, and you know make a make an assumption as what he's what he's done. But I think you know kind of going to Brooklyn, he's not he is the man but he's got a person on offense that can stretch the floor with Kyrie that can, you know, all right, KD is not having a great game or he's not really feeling it right now. You dish off the Kyrie. He can make some moves. He can make some plays. And I think that'll help him. Obviously going away from Steph and Clay and Draymond and the Warriors is going to hurt a little bit for him. But, you know, I think this is kind of what he wanted all along is to prove that he can win a championship, but now it's kind of, I'm going to win a championship my way and play with some guys that, you know, that can play with me like Kyrie and, whoever the hell is not spring in the rest of the year. <laughs> like, don't get it twisted. KD, like, depending on who you're talking to, but if you're talking to me, the third best player of this decade. Um, so he's unreal, like a top 12, 13 player of all time. I don't want to get into that damn breaking crap, but he's unreal. 
I just think, though, there's a, a gap between guys who are, like, automatics to the finals and, like, automatic, like, legendary guys. Like, we know what we're going to get. I don't think KD's that guy. And he wasn't seen as that damn guy until he literally joined the greatest regular season team of all time. So it's like – and I think Kyrie's really good, but we saw that – first of all, them two emotional cats too, first off, by the way. So That's I mean, what I want to see. So I want to see how that works out. Although, once again, talent usually overcomes all. So we'll see how that works. But I'm really interested to see how that pans out this year. I, I'll lean on the side of talent works out. But I think we need to put things in, into perspective before KD got to the Warriors because this wasn't the commentary about him. But what I – Another thing with KD that I like and just love about him, and I think you're going to agree, is that, you know, when you look at the NBA, you don't – when you're trying to build your team and you think of the better players in the NBA, you fall in love with long scoring wings. Like, it's not like a – yeah, obviously you want to have a great point guard and bigs are kind of falling off, but, you know, the person or player that you really want to fall in love with and have on your team is, you know – a long wing that can shoot the shit out of the ball. And KD is a seven foot guard that can do whatever he wants with the ball and score from any level of the floor. So I, I think we could probably all agree on that, but also just aside from KD comparison, overhyping, underhyping, whatever, I think what I'm most excited about is, you know, we missed out on the Kobe versus LeBron in the finals opportunity, you know, KD versus LeBron in the finals for the next two years, three years. Like I think, I think, you know, maybe we wanted to see that with Giannis this past year. But, you know, hopefully, you know, I think it would be awesome to see KD and Kyrie take on LeBron. You know, Kyrie obviously has all the history and baggage that comes with him and LeBron. But, you know, KD being that, you know, small forward type athlete player, um, you know, who knows what will happen. And I hope we see that matchup. So, Flan, KD is overrated, underrated, or appropriately rated? KD at this moment is appropriately rated the second best player in the NBA. Uh, he's overrated, but <laughs> overrated in the sense of, I don't think he's as automatic of a walk to the finals guy as, or he's not as close to LeBron as other people are. I'm not saying that you say, I don't, I'm not saying that you think that he is, but I do think there's a, a fat ass gap between goat James and easy money sniper. You got no argument from me on, on the big gap. I just, you know, second best player in the NBA, barring, barring <laughs> he doesn't return back to this, that he doesn't return back to the level that he was before his injury. Yeah, I'm trying to see KD as in, like, if he wants to narrow that gap with Braun, I need to see him. It, don't, it sounds ridiculous saying that I need to see him as a winner because obviously he, had a, he won so much in Golden State. But, like, that, like, it's, it still doesn't, like, I can't, come to terms with that being like those weren't his championships like he played huge roles in it but they like you said they were the one of the best regular season teams ever before he got there so like I'm interested to see him kind of back in I think like the like a new team as a lead role to see if he can carry a team through the playoffs and get to the finals as like the clear number one player that like that the offense runs through the entire time yeah, don't and don't get me wrong. I completely like, at the time, and I still believe it was a soft move from KD to you know, wow. join the team, join That's... the team that knocked you off, the team that was one of the greatest regular season teams of all time. But at the end of the day, like that doesn't dis discredit anything he's done or any of the talent that he has to him. Like he's still 
six eleven and scores the ball from wherever he wants, whenever he wants. So I, he's not going to walk to the NBA finals like LeBron has, but you know, I, I think his talent speaks for itself. For sure. For sure. I, I think we've been talking about a lot of guys in the NBA, a lot of uh, teams as well. And I'm interested to hear some of your perspectives on this perspectives on this. So I think of a guy like Chris Paul and what he did this year in the thunder. And I think that, I gave him his flowers before the bubble, but I want to continue to do that for him. What he did this year was for a team that wasn't supposed to win, I don't know, 30 games this year. Unreal. How many point guards are we taking ahead of CP? Oh, man. This is like this is like an OG cafeteria argument. I remember these point guard arguments more than us. <laughs> hey, right now. listening, Mike Conley was never close to Steph. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I might have been. I was a. I had a little bit of Mike Conley bias back in the day. <laughs> I think we all did, man. Everyone loved Mike Conley until he actually was on a good team, and then we were like, "Oh shit!" Like, <laughs> wait, let me clarify the question. CP three this year. I just need him this year. I need to win a chip this year. How many point guards are you taking away of of point guard? Um, Steph is the easiest. Steph. Um, and then. Wow, it gets it's just like you take Kyrie, probably not. Do you take why? Why am I blanking on on point guards right now? And the only reason I say this because I think it varies team by team. I think that yeah. I think Portland will probably take Dame just based off the fact that I would take Dame. I would take Dame regardless. Yeah, yeah. I think I have to take Dame. So I'm think I, I think Stephen Clay. Whoa, my bad. Sorry, Clay. <laughs> hey, speedy recovery, Clay. But I think I'm taking Stephen Dane for sure. And I will probably take Kyrie. After that, I'm taking point guard. Just for no. this year. Just for this year. I need to win a tip, bro. See, like, you – Luca's not, not – Luca's not I was going to say. Okay, Luca's not a point guard. That was my question. No, Luca's not a point guard. James Harden. Not a point guard. I don't think I'm taking Kyrie. I think I'm taking Dame – Ben Simmons, I don't like I, – I just – you can't shoot. You can't play on my team. Uh, CP3, just what he did with that the Thunder team is just – you know, I, I think that just kind of solidifies that he's probably ahead of the rest of them. And then Nick Kinzel, are you, are you taking your man triple-double, you know, greatest offensive player of all time, Russell Westbrook, or what? I have been a long-time Russell Westbrook hater. <laughs> I, my, my days of playing at St. Ed's where I wasn't allowed to shoot mid-range jumpers and <laughs> beat to death about high-quality shots, like take the best shooting percentage. Shout-out Coach Smith. Um, <laughs> like I've just been programmed to absolutely hate Russell Westbrook's game. Like, I it's the I can't get behind the inefficiency. <laughs> and what's crazy is that his counting stats are unreal, and and I don't want to diminish that because if anybody could get a triple double, they would go out there and do it. Mm-hmm. It's just that the boneheaded mistakes and the inefficient it just makes the brain just shuts off sometimes. I'm like, bro, you can get to the rack at will. Stop pulling up, or there's a reason why you wide ass open. They daring you to shoot. Don't shoot it. Like, you don't see Ben Simmons doing that shit. So it's just like, bro, if you just was, I don't know, had the smarts of anybody else, you'd be stepping. 
And what I think is like kind of, you know, to the, to the point of Russell Westbrook is, you know, in Oklahoma city, you know, we don't see his games on TV as much as you see the Lakers, you know, the Rockets, Celtics, whoever it is, you don't see those games. You kind of see the stats and you say, Oh, Russell's Russ is killing it. You know, they end up winning by a few points here and there, you know, they're making the playoffs, whatever. But then you go to the playoffs and his games are always on TV. You know, they're playing primetime against the Lakers, these, these better teams. And you kind of look at him and be like, you know, he doesn't really jump off the floor as such a, you know, a superstar or a guy I want to build my team around. And I think that's just like the eye test of, you know, where stats kind of mislead us when you just look at points, rebounds and assists as to where, you know, like Nick pointed out, we look at efficiency stats, efficiency stats, you know, he's not great at, he doesn't shoot the ball well. He's not and great nowhere on the court. He don't even finish, <laughs> he don't even, like, look up the number. Bro, don't even finish at the rim well. Like, bro, don't do nothing right. And it, it just goes to the, the point of, like, you know, you, this is the NBA has completely changed from what it was, you know, 20 years, ten five years ago, you know. It's completely changed. And, you know, a guy like Russell Westbrook, who's a six three, six, four point guard, you know, that can't shoot, but he's fast as hell. Like, he still doesn't really offer that much on a – contending team once again unreal player unreal lock for the damn hall of fame bro unreal it's just that it's levels right and it's tears i think this year y'all people took him out of those tears that you know talk about the other guys like dane you know steph and all that i, I think if anybody who want to put him back in that tier y'all need to listen to the pod because bro's not on that level goddamn uh, a guy who we haven't talked about much this episode, who got much love all of last year, even though he played half of the season with Zion. But his counterpart, or guy who drafted behind him, played the whole season and showed his ass off. So the question I have for y'all is, knowing what you know now and for the future, who we going with? We going with Ja or we going with Zion? I'm going with, and I hate to say it because – Zion is so fun to watch. I'm going with John Morant. Just because, you know, and I've mentioned this on a previous podcast, is that Zion, his game is not, you know, built around the modern day NBA. You know, he can't shoot that great. He's not really good off the dribble. John Morant, you know, on the other hand, is, you know, he's a fast point guard that his shot looks to be developing quicker than we thought. Um, it's better than Russell Westbrook's. Uh, but, he, you know, he kind of is the, you know, the ultimate point guard. Where, you know, you kind of want a guy that could kind of lead a team, but also at the same time score a bucket when you need him to. And he facilitates just as well as anybody. And so I think it kind of goes to show more about what Zion can't do than what Ja can do at this point. Okay, I'll give a – this isn't a real clear-cut answer. So <laughs> if you're – if I did – put money on who's going to have a better career. I think the safer bet is Ja. Um, so depending on, like, my franchise, whatever, like, their situation, I'd probably take Ja. But, you know, just starting from scratch, I, I got to take Zion because of how unique the type of player he is. Like, you can find other point guards that can change games. If Zion turns out to be anywhere close to what some people think he is, it's much harder to find that other person that's that can even come close to what he can do. Um, like when this question was brought up, I instantly thought about the cat, like the Cavs, when we drafted Sexton, right? Sure, Sexton, and I compared it to like uh, to Michael Porter Jr. Sure, Sexton's a safer bet. He's probably gonna have a good career. If you're putting money on it, you're probably gonna bet that Sexton has a better career, but. 
MPJ is someone who can change your franchise, you can always find another good point guard, in my opinion. You know, I mean, there's lots of guys between six foot and six foot four that can shoot like crazy, handle the ball, uh, and give you like, you know, 20 and six or 20 and seven, something like that. It's a lot harder to find that just freak athlete that has a chance of changing a franchise. Okay, I like that. I like that. I think that. Uh, no, in short, I'm going Zion. In short, you're going Zion. <laughs> uh, you brought up a good point that I hadn't really thought of about, even though I think Ja is the better player today, uh, especially I'm going to give him his flowers for what he did this year with that Grizzlies team who had no expectations and they went a, a far away. Uh, but like you said, though, there's some unicorns that you got to take your, your chances on. And if I fail with this unicorn, then I fail. Like if I fail with Zion, it is what it is. But I think um, with us being three Cleveland guys, we got to talk about our, our precious, magnificent, fabulous Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, what do you guys think about the offseason? What do you guys think about the, the future? Uh, what's your thoughts? Championship or bust? <laughs> I try not to think about it too much, to be honest with you. Um, that's my approach. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's – you're not going to attract they're, – they're nowhere near being able to attract any, time, any type of big-time free agents. So any type of move right now that they're going to make, at best, gets them to four to eight seed in the, in the East if they were to get some type of big pickup. Um, you know, it's, just, it's a franchise that has to build through the draft. And until they get some steal in a draft, you know, until they – I'm not going to say they're next LeBron, but, you know, until they get someone that can change their franchise to the draft, I think they're just going to keep being mediocre at best. I agree. No, I, I think they're going to be the worst team in the NBA or the bottom three teams in the NBA next year. And I hope it so. sucks to say, yeah, no, it, it sucks <laughs> to say it. And I think a lot of people to Nick's point, you know, you, you kind of want to just start trading people and, you know, kind of want to unload your roster kind of like other teams do and hope that you hit somebody in free agency with uh, like all the cap room that you could get, but no one really wants an agent Kevin Love on a, on a max deal. You know, Andre Drummond, like we've mentioned before, like the center position is kind of going extinct, especially one that can't stretch the floor. Um, Larry Nance is on a big deal, but you know, he might be part of the long-term plans at this point. And, you know, come trade deadline, maybe, you know, a team that wants, is willing to overpay for him, you kind of give him up there. But I think they're kind of headed in the right direction. You know, they have uh, picks next year in the draft, which seems to be a loaded draft at this point. Um, you know, drafting Okoro, Isaac Okoro out of Auburn, you know, he doesn't seem like a superstar, and I don't think he will be, but he's a guy that will, you know, play defense and athletic wing, you know, the kind of like what we're missing a little bit. Um, but he seems to be in the plans for the long term. And, you know, you kind of want somebody that will do the right things on the floor and off the floor and, you know, a defensive type, defensive minded type player that, you know, you get your superstar player next year and this guy will compliment him in the long term. Yeah, I didn't watch much of a coral like at Auburn. Uh, I didn't want, really watch much college basketball this year. But what I did catching like highlights and watching back after we draft him, I like the, the move a lot. I think the NBA is moving towards like the specialist type of thing where if you're not a superstar, I need you to be a superstar in your role. And that three and D role is so highly coveted right now that if you can get you one of those guys, you hit the gold mine. I think about OG uh, and I don't know his last name, but bro who plays for the, uh, the Raptors. And an OB. Yeah, and an OB. Yeah, I think about <laughs> two-way guys. I mean, the two studs in, in, uh, in Boston with Jalen Brown and JT. If you can get a, a two-way guy, I love it. So, I mean – Regardless if he ever ends up being an all-star or not, I love that move. I like KPJ. 
Um, I, he just got in some off the court issues, and hopefully he gets that resolved what, uh, rather sooner than later. But I liked him. A, I liked him. Uh, I like him a lot. Hopefully he ends up being something smooth. I, I like that piece. I don't know what we got in Garland and Sexton yet. I think Sexton is like your your sixth man, your Jordan Clarkson type of guy, which is okay. Every team needs that. I just don't know if you take that top ten. But I mean, it's it's three years later now. We can do can't do much about it now. Yeah. No, I I think you know, kind of going off that is that um, you know, we have we're kind of jammed at that point guard position where it's almost like you can't take like if even if we had the number one overall pick this year or number two or three or whatever it is like even if you thought LaMelo Ball was your, probably your top guy, like, could you take him? You know, and a lot of people would say no because you already have taken two point guards in consecutive drafts. So, you know, you have to unload one of them at least and then, you know, hope that one of the two pan out. And it's kind of the same thing for next year is, you know, or is, is, is Sexton or Garland kind of going to show you something where you, you, you build around them or in the next draft are you going to take Kate Cunningham with your first pick and hope that, you know, he's the guy. So I think we're kind of logjam at the point guard which, you know, might not be a bad thing, but if it's not a superstar guy that you want to build your team around, then you kind of are screwed there. If Kate Cunningham's on the board, you take him and worry about the shit later. <laughs> yeah, I'm um, I would say – so I like – you know, Okoro, I think he's a good player. I think it's a safe play. You know, he's drafting the best perimeter defender in the draft is always something that can help a team win. Um but like it's like I said, it's the Cavs. Like, what he's gonna help him win twelve games instead of eleven games this year? Like, and I will preface my next take with saying this: this is based in zero research, but this is just my <laughs> just my random hot take here. Why not take a risk and get one of those like six, eleven, seven foot foreign dudes that were on the board and just say like, maybe there's a chance this dude is the next like it's, it, it can turn into a superstar. I think, like, if I'm the Cavs in this position with a draft, like, I'm it's I'm okay with as much risk as possible. Like, if there's a chance someone can change my franchise, I'm going to take them. Like, that's why I, I like Colin Sexton. I wouldn't have drafted him. You know, like, I like Okoro, but that wouldn't have been my pick. Like, they're good players. They probably have good careers. They're going to get a couple contracts, but – like you're Cleveland, you got to draft to change your franchise. And they're those guys just like, you know, that they're going to impact it in a small way. I think that's an interesting point that Flan and I talked about on a previous podcast with Milwaukee and how no matter what happens with Giannis, you don't trade him just because no matter what happens, you're not going to get nearly as much value back for him. Like no matter if you get back 30 picks, uh, a Brandon Ingram, like, like the Pelicans got with uh, AD, you'd never trade them. Like you just, you won't get it back. So, I mean, that's an interesting point with the Cavs. Like we're not going to get a superstar guy via free agency. So it's going to have to be, be a draft. So, I mean, that's a good point. No, I agree. I, I just think it's tough when you think of it from a, maybe a general manager's perspective and you say like, Oh, I'm going to take all this risk on, you know, on one guy. And if it doesn't pan out, it's all right. Like I have another year to, you know, to pick next year. And so I think that comes in, what comes into play is, you know, like these manage, general managers kind of, you know, thinking that, you know, I got to at least have somebody or a plan, you know, to build around somebody or to build a team up for, you know, for next year and the year after that. And, you know, if my pick doesn't pan out, then shit, I might not be around, you know, to make the next one. So I, I agree with you. I, I think you kind of take the, take a lot of risk, but at some point you kind of have to fall back on to, all right, so maybe I have to make a safe pick, especially in a draft that, 
there really wasn't one or two guys that stood out. That's fair. I guess my answer to this, name a good mid to small uh, market team that became a contender through free agency. Uh, right, without, what do we consider a contender? What do we consider a contender? Like a team like with a legit chance, like I honestly thought they could win it, or the team that was like what? What team are you thinking of? I mean, the Cleveland Cavaliers signed LeBron James, and he came back. <laughs> no, I was just thinking about a team like the Suns, but like I didn't think they were a contender by no means. But I thought they had a really good season. But I think that kind of weighs like, are you just trying to put butts in the seats, or are you actually trying to win a title? And right. In the NBA, I feel like it's more like hitting the lottery when it comes to winning a title because. Unless you got one of the, like the NBA work works like this. Unless you got one of those five guys in that elite company, like in that elite like top tier, I don't give a damn what moves you made. It doesn't matter. So I don't know. I mean the rap. I mean the rappers drafted Siakam and Fred. I mean I agree with you because you, you, even you think about the Warriors. They, I mean their team was made through home through, through draft through yeah. the draft. You know you think about the Lakers. They drafted Ingram and Lonzo and. You know, Kuzma, and they traded, you know, half of those guys to get AD. You know, all these guys, except, you know, you could say the Nets at this point got lucky with signing people. Um, you know, the Rockets made a trade with some of their draft picks, you know, to get hardened. I mean, I, I agree with that, is that, you know, it's hard just to kind of bank on free agency, especially being a small market team. No one wants to live in Cleveland. No, well, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a whole different. That's a whole different take that for a whole different podcast is just living in Cleveland. I guess the only team I can even imagine, and it wouldn't work in today's NBA. I'm going back 16 years. I'm thinking of Detroit in 04. because none, yeah. of guys, none of those guys are homegrown. I think Tayshawn Prince was maybe drafted, but Billis wasn't. Uh, Rasheed wasn't. I don't think Big Ben wasn't. I mean, and that's a small market team, but that type of team won't work in today's NBA. Like that defensive first, no superstar, not even a star to be honest type of team. I don't think no one even averaged 20 on that team. So, yeah, I, if I got to go back 16 years to, to find an example, I, yeah, that ain't going to fly. I guess the question is, are the Cavs trying to fill seats, be average, or are they trying to actually like, try to contend again? Um, I guess, you know, that involves a lot more information about their finances and what the uh, owner – COVID I, going on, I mean, what, ain't nobody getting in the seats anyways, goddammit. So you might as well try to make a big swing for the fences. I mean, I mean – and and I think to your to your point, Nick, about filling seats and you know, gaining interest is, you know, if the Cavs are really interested in you know making a push for the semifinals or the the conference semifinals, then they would have traded this pick, next year's pick, and you know KPJ and Sexton for for Russ, and then you know you would have yeah, probably had a playoff team. But at that point, like, are you willing to? Are you are you going to mortgage? Are you going to mortgage? You had to have Russ on the as the. <laughs> no, but like, okay, maybe okay. You you package a whole bunch of picks I and then you. other people for Harden and hopefully or Simmons <laughs> and you just kind of uh, to your point is like you you mortgage your future for one guy that'll probably not get you the, anywhere near the finals but a playoff contender. Yeah, I I'll say this about the Cavs and this is I'll leave it at this with, with the Cavs conversation. I think that we wait out KPJ and Garland because I think we kind of know what we got with Sexton. Even though I think he's good, but I think he's going to be good in his role once we move him there as an off-the-bench type of guy. But 
if KPJ and Garland can take that, like, I don't know, random all-star level jump, then I think that you trust the damn process and so forth and whatnot and, and be patient. But if not, I think you try to microwave it and just swing for the fences and start just doing what the Thunder doing and just stealing picks or whatever. They got like 18 picks in the next five years, bro. That's ridiculous. But that's my take on that. <laughs> no, it's crazy. Like first rounders have to cut them because they don't have space in the roster. <laughs> Everybody loves draft picks until they become players. So that's why that, that logic kind of like kills me. It's like everyone loves having all these first round picks. All right. And then you look at like all the picks y'all made. Damn, like 16 right. of these 18 guys suck. But I mean, all right. So that'll kind of lead us into the next segment. You know, here's uh, that Nick Kinzel kind of brought up to us, to our attention is, you know, hot seat, you know, kind of picking between a player that you would rather have for this upcoming year. Um, so I'm going to start it off. Would you rather have Kevin Durant or Giannis at Tenet and Kumbo? Yeah, I'm going KD. All right. I agree. KD, I, I mean, I proved my point earlier in this episode. So I would take KD for sure. I think the only reason I would hesitate a little bit is his Achilles injury. But at this point, you've seen Giannis. Um, and I, I would just take KD. Harden or AD? AD. See, I think it's kind of unfair. It's because you kind of would you compare it to the teams that they are on right now is Harden with a Brad, but I think if you're just going point blank, am I taking Harden or KD or AD? I think you have to take AD just because of his versatility guarding in, on the defensive end as well as being able to stretch the floor. But at the same time, like one-on-one in the post, like no one's stopping him. I'm going to take Harden just because I think the one way that you can get to AD is uh, by, by doubling him because I don't think he's a, really the best passer, which I'm, I'm picking Harris here. Obviously, he's a damn Hall of Fame superstar freak. But um, he's not a play initiator. And what I mean by that, he's not setting up for other guys and so forth and whatnot. And I want my best player to be able to set up other guys. So that's uh, that was just a quick one I have for you all. What about you, Nick? Uh, Luca or CP3? Luca, Because although I don't think he's as good as a facilitator or leader, unquote, I don't really know these dudes personally. But from what we know as CP, his ability to put the ball in the hoop, I think, is is unmatched at this point. I would take Luca. Just, I mean, I think we said CP3 is probably ranked a little bit higher just for this upcoming season. But I think, you know, Luca, his his ceiling for this upcoming season is so much higher than uh, than CP3's. And, uh, you know, just what he did in the playoffs and in the bubble last year just kind of you know, goes to show what kind of player he is now and you can't and can be. What about you? What are you taking? Yeah, I got to go Luca. Just... <laughs> okay, this, right. this came to mind real quick. My bad, Flynn. I'll cut you off. Are we go going D-Book or are we going Tatum? This is a good one. I, I've thought about this one before. And the reason why I bring this up is that I think situation matters. And I'm not, and, and I'm not saying that I definitely, definitively want to take D-Book over Tatum. I just don't know if we have this infatuation over Tatum if he's drafted in Charlotte. Yeah. I think just to start, because I'm not completely sold on either currently yet, but I do think Jason Tatum is overrated. And you know, I think we kind of overrate him a little bit just because <clears throat> I think we put him in the same contention as Luca and you know, all the other young superstars. And not to say that he really isn't yet, but at the same time, he hasn't done anything. And I think he's had more. Uh, 
alongside him um, than any other, like Luca or even, you know, Kawhi to some, some extent. But uh, I think it's tough. You know, Devin Booker had a 70-point game. You know, I think it's tough to pass up on him. So I, I, would say, I would say I'm taking Devin Booker just because the way the NBA is right now, I want a scoring two-guard that can you know, get you a bucket from anywhere on the floor. That's fair. Um, I'm going Tatum, but I will say that it definitely could change by the end of this year when I see D-Book with a veteran point guard in CP3. For sure. Y'all got any more? All right, here we go. Russell Westbrook or Donovan Mitchell? Because I think they're both overrated. <laughs> I think they both kind of fit that mold of like an inefficient, undersized guard. Well, Russ isn't really undersized, but you know what I mean. Small mm-hmm. If you're not 6'6 six, six at this point, you're undersized. Yeah, the yeah, NBA. Sure. That's the position you play. <laughs> Ah, man. I'm going to take D. Mitch for the sole fact that I've seen him play off ball and still be kind of useful. Kind of useful. Because I know when Conley had the ball this year, and Clarkson too, because Clarkson was doing his thing in the bubble, D. Mitch was still being effective. If Russ isn't cutting, which he sometimes forgets, or a lot of times forgets, he's useless out there. I mean, put bro in the, the jumper spot or over there, dunker spot, and that's he's, I mean, he's 6'2". I don't need you down there. I'll take D. Mitch. My head says I want Russ. But, God, I can't stand Russ. (laughs) (laughs) I got to go Russ. He's he's more proven. Oh, God, I can't even say it. (laughs) He can take over games. (laughs) That's all I got. Hey, I mean, neither of them have won anything. So, at this point, the guy that can take over games. But I just think in the late game scenario, you know, in the playoffs or whatever, I think you trust Donovan Mitchell more just because he's a guy that will bring the ball up and, yeah, he'll probably shoot the ball more times and he'll pass it. But at the same time, when he shoots it, like, you're going to trust that goes in more times than Russ shooting the ball. And, like, you think it'll go in more times than not compared to Russ. But I think Russ believed that shit going in. But uh, I'm from Russ. I got two quick ones. Right, sure. Russ or Kemba? Russ. Russ. I, I, I don't think, think I, I, Kemba can't guard anyone. I agree. I, I undersized point guard that you know you can't guard and doesn't really do much other than score and was on a team that was pretty good this year and didn't really do well. Didn't score great. Okay, that's fair. I'm going Kemba. I think Kemba's underrated. Okay. He was, hurt in the he was hurt in the bubble. I'll give him that. He was hurt. Mm-hmm. And I think his role is going to expand now without Gordon Hayward. Like, there's a lot of dudes that, need that can score for that Celtics team. Yeah, a lot of egos over there. They need to figure that shit yeah, out. Yeah, they got a lot of, lot of dudes that can score. And, like, to another point, like, kind of going against my Russ, you know, pick on that. And trust me, this is not like a I hate Russ this episode, but – you know, well, you great. I'm just making yeah. perspective. You watched the Rockets in the in the bubble and in the playoffs when when it when it mattered, and you saw Russ turning it over, Russ making bad decisions. Like, mm-hmm. it's it just hard to pick him. But at the same time, like Nick said, like he could take over a game. You know, he could be a guy that'll win you two games in a seven game series just because you know the way he plays, that high level energy he has, and you know he's 
usually good defensively, but I'm taking Russ. I think Coach Flan said this uh, one time. He can deal with missed shots. He can't deal with dumb shit. So, like, that's what <laughs> I, I feel like I heard Coach Flan say that one time. Uh, so, uh, that's why I'm so hesitant to take Russ, but I will take Russ. I got one more. I got, it's pro, I, I think it's an obvious one. Are you taking Jokic or Embiid? Jokic, easy. No hesitation. All right, look, I'm going to take Jokic because I do think being the best player on a contending team matters. I do think that holds a lot of weight, like a, a ton. I just wonder if we give Embiid the same structure uh, that you give some of these other guys because I think the Philly was a clown show because uh, I don't think really Brett Brown was the best situation for him there. I, ben Simmons and him is an obvious misfit. I just wonder if we give him a little bit of structure, a little bit of, hey, this is what you can and can't do, because he's obviously a better defender. I just wonder what he would look like. But I'm going to take Jokic because what he did this year in the bubble, it holds a lot of weight. I agree. I'm taking Jokic uh, just solely on the fact of the eye test and and the last year in the playoffs. Yeah, he didn't have Simmons, but, you know, he just looked sluggish and didn't really feel look interested. But – I know I said I had one more, but I have really one more. And you have to pick one of these three. That's Simmons. Awesome. Here we go. Simmons, Jamal Murray, or Trey Young. Woo! Okay, 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 okay. Because uh, here's the thing. I think Jamal – like, what's Jamal Murray be getting, though? Like, that's – what happened in the bubble, is that going to continue on? Right. Mm-hmm. Because I think Jamal Murray is solid. I think he's a good NBA point guard. I don't know what the hell we saw in the bubble is what we're going to get here on out. Because if that's not the case, him and, him and Trey are both undersized. But, I mean, it's year two. It's 30 and 10 is 30 and 10. I don't give a shit who you are. And at 20 year, 21 years old, you putting that out? So I'm going to go Ben, Trey, Jamal, barring that what Jamal did in the bubble was an aberration. I'm struggling with this one. <laughs> Yes. There's just a lot of que- – like, Trey is such a defensive liability. But, like you said, like, dude is in the second year and he's – offensively, he's elite already. Ben Simmons is seven foot eight, but can't shoot. But he can handle. So, it's like – I gotta, I think I'm going Trey Young first. You can hide, you can hide him with – you can hide him to a certain extent with surrounding with good three and D guys, um, a good big whatever. So that's Trey Young's one, and then I like Jamal Murray because I think shooting so important to winning. I agree. I, I'm between Jamal and Trey. I think you know just because Simmons can't shoot is that he's at the the third position here, but. You know, he's another guy like Russ that can just take over a game at any point. And um, but I just think in some series and in some instincts that you're just not going to be able to play him and you're not going to be able to trust him. So I'm taking Trey Young solely for the fact that, you know, the, the guy is an offensive – he's elite offensively. And I think if he didn't play in Atlanta, we'd be talking a lot more about him right now. And, you know, Atlanta making the moves that they did this offseason, I think shows, you know, kind of what they think of him. You know, I think that they probably think they're – top five or four seed in the East. Um, and they're kind of going, not necessarily all in on it, but, you know, they're going all in to help out Trey Young. And I, th- I think he's the guy here. 
I love Trey Young, by the way. Like, this isn't me taking a shot. I, I love Trey Young. I just, I just value because even though Ben Simmons is in, in the F in the shooting category, I don't know if you can say he's below an A in anything else on the court when it comes to his ability to play defense, his ability to pass the ball, handle the rock. And I get it. We live, it's twenty twenty now. If you can't shoot, you're useless. So I mean, I wouldn't. I don't know, man. I, we got we got to do some funky shit with our roster if we got Ben Simmons on the roster. But I wouldn't want him. Mm-hmm. Any parting words, y'all got? I hey, this was fun. I enjoyed this a lot. I know we kind of went long, but um, I appreciate Nick coming on. And uh, I know it's well Thanksgiving ish right now. I don't know when this will come out, but. You know, taking time out of your nights and your days to, to do this. I appreciate it, and I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, man, I uh, I appreciate the invite, especially following up. Uh, Notre quarterback who just knocked off Clemson. You know, I think that uh, the expectations are going to be a little higher than they should be. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, I appreciate it. Uh, it's also good that uh, I finally got to be part of our podcast, so I'll, be, I'll look forward to uh, the information. <laughs> Hey, as the season goes on, man, the, I don't even want to say the invites there because, I mean, this is technically a, a trio. So, I mean, whenever you just want to hop into, uh, into the format, you just let us know. Well, yeah, you're just, you're just so busy is that it's tough for us to get you. You know, you're big time in us. With that being said, I'm going to give us a quick plug. If you're listening, if you're somehow still listening to this podcast, go follow us at Can't Stop Training on Instagram. Go follow my dog, Can't Stop Training on IG. Big things coming. Big things coming. I promise that. We got a, one of our first guys got drafted. Uh, Aaron Neesmith went to the Celtics first round guy. And then keep an eye out on another can't stop training guy, Josiah James at Tennessee, six seven point guard lefty. Uh, Sean, your dad coached him at Team USA, uh, most likely first rounder next year. Tight, tight. That's good stuff, man. You're making it big time. So we appreciate you coming on. Yeah. All right, man. So that'll that'll do it. Uh, that'll be a wrap for this episode. Once again, I uh, appreciate you guys for listening and taking time out of your day for uh, to listen to uh, three college kids talk about sports, talk about their interests, and I hope you guys have a good one. <laughs>